0: You're listening to the Blue Box Podcast and for the next 60 minutes we're going to be talking about Victory of the Daleks, so you don't have to. I'm Dan. Hello, I'm Simon. Hello, I'm Lee. And I'm JR. And yes, that's right, we've got a Dalek in the room.
1: I'm sure they don't say that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, no, I don't think you appreciate this, Lee, but the Daleks' voices are actually done by somebody else.
1: Uh, yeah, but inside you must be going whoop whoop. Well, that's time. a point. Yeah, yeah.
0: Inside the Dalek, you've still got to speak in order to make the lights flash, because the lights flash according to whatever the creature inside is I, saying. I don't know if you know, but they pre-record the dialogue, and
2: inside the machine, inside the Dalek, I think Dan's told me this is buttons for each of the phrases. So when it comes up on the script, they're inside of their <laughs> script. <laughs> <laughs> it must be really tempting to make it yeah. kind of judder like Max Headroom. Absolutely. Have
0: you just taken the punchline from my joke and replaced <laughs> it? <laughs> have I, have
2: I? And replaced it <laughs> with something funnier?
0: Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> was
2: Sorry. not. Ch- they, oh, sc- Scouts honour. They've changed my pills.
0: <laughs> Why do you pills. say Scouts honour? Well, I don't know. We were you a scout. No.
1: <laughs> if you weren't a
0: scout, then that promise means absolutely nothing it I, anyway. it's ironic really isn't it yeah it does <laughs> saying that, like promise. It, promise
1: meant anything um. anyway
0: ok then we'll start again. question on. for the group in a round Dan when was the last time you saw Victory of the Daleks before tonight
1: uh, when it went out Lee probably about a year and a half ago Simon didn't we watch it for this podcast before
0: no oh, probably a couple of years then and for me i'm like dan i saw it last time mm-hmm. i saw it was when it went out although i probably watched it about three times maybe when it did but i've not seen it since then um okay another quick question at the time when it was first on and let's face it this story has got a pretty dreadful reputation at the time, when it was first on, what was everybody's initial reaction, just in a word or a sentence, Dan?
3: Well, straight afterwards. Yeah.
0: Um, your immediate reaction to seeing it. Uh,
3: my immediate reaction probably was disappointment, um, because it started well and ended badly, I think. So your immediate mm. reaction afterwards is, you know, what you've seen most recently, isn't it? So yeah, yeah, like yeah. the yeah. end of the story.
0: Well, downward trajectory. <laughs> yeah. Lee?
1: I was quite meh about it actually, Um, everything about it, (coughs) nothing fired me at all apart from Matt Smith in that episode, the first time I saw it, I've got a a different feeling now. But in I didn't think even
0: Matt Smith Mm. in that episode is, but we'll get into the whys and wherefores. That's why I mentioned to you, was that his first episode? Yeah, no, it wasn't even that. So Simon, go on in a nutshell, what was your reaction to it on the broadcast?
2: bit of what everyone else has said really it, it just felt like a bit of a letdown after the first two episodes
0: yeah and obviously i concur mm. with that is there anybody here who watching it today has found it was a revelation and their opinions completely changed
3: not really i mean i <laughs> <laughs> i think with most of these things <clears throat> even if you know a story is perhaps below average or average you, you tend to try and approach it as a Doctor Who fan with positivity because, mm. you know, you always know that you glean more out of a story if you approach it with open-mindedly or with some positivity. So I wasn't apprehensive about seeing it again. I was actually quite interested to see it again, mm. but I didn't really come away feeling very different, I don't think, from the first viewing. So. Yeah, that's exactly the same
0: as me. I was interested to see it again, to see whether, not necessarily it was better than I thought it was, but to see if there was more to get out of it. Yeah. And, yeah, I've just got to the end of it and thought, no, my first reaction was exactly how felt, I still feel about like it, really. It mm-hmm.
1: didn't it, really? The whole, the whole episode, from the story to 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 the actual delivery of some of the lines, even, and some of the set design, just all felt very slim. Shall I tell you what? I didn't feel there was any meat <coughs> on the bone. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Well, what I've got from it
0: this time, and because, obviously, we've sat down to think about talking about it. And what I've got from it this time is, it's a series of points that the script is navigating between. But in order to get mm. between those points, the script never really involves itself in what's happening. So it's like, arrive, see Daleks, get the doctors say that yeah. line of dialogue, yeah. go to the spaceship... Spitfire's in space and then the bit with Bracewell and the Daleks escape and it's over and when you write a story I you know when you write you write with an end point in mind and you write with a beginning point in mind and to get from the beginning to the end you have to you have to find the groove that takes you from one place to the other yeah but this episode, the plot. it just, yeah, the plot, this episode just didn't feel like
1: there was anything between the start and the end, except a
0: complete
1: straight line. Mm, fair, know, yeah. It felt like this, took this was right dressing, down. it was almost, it was done for a reason, to either introduce to a new audience, or... Uh, introduce the new Daleks, I suppose, in a way, or introduce uh, <clears throat> Amy to the Daleks, or something. It was—it felt like it was trying to tell everybody something new, because he said things like "Type Forty Tardis" and all the things we already know, and everybody would know. But there like, wasn't you know? that, there that, wasn't any was
3: focus on Amy's reaction to the Daleks, was there? Really? No, that wasn't no, that, that wasn't a f- huge sort of um, focus in the no, story no. for me, which is odd.
0: Well, that's exactly that, that in, that kind in a kind of sh- nutshell. Sh- what the problem is. Because if Amy doesn't recognise what the Daleks are, that should be a running theme throughout the right, episode absolutely. rather than just something that's brought up almost as an aside yeah. mm-hmm. twice.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And
0: when you get to the end and he says, no, what I'm more worried about is why you didn't recognise the Daleks, you're thinking to yourself, well, we didn't actually see any of that worry yeah. since when she immediately brought up. Well, she had reactions, but it wasn't like you said. Well, she yet. had wasn't a focused. reaction and mm-hmm. then it was completely forgotten about. Yeah, yeah. And then it's brought up again at the...
1: End almost as if, oh, well, okay. it's an afterthought. Well, At the same time, we're seeing her looking at the Daleks as being quite nice. Then they turn on the doctor, but she still doesn't understand how dangerous these things are. They, they shoot a couple of people, okay, but she's seen that she type sees of them stuff.
0: shooting the Spitfires in the very first scene just before yeah, she actually exactly. sees what they look like. She yeah. knows what they're capable of, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the point is, she, as soon as the doctor says no, they're bad. She's like, okay, and accepts it, mm. of course, as she would. But where's the dramatic tension? Mm. Mm. Because they bring in this whole thing about the Daleks pretending to be good in order to serve this really contrived plot purpose of getting the Doctor to say, I'm the Doctor and you're the Daleks. Yeah. And let's face it, there's not a lot that's more contrived than that. I mean, the way that works is not they yeah. needed that... And so they built the plot around needing that. The point was, they built the plot, but they needed to build the plot around something. I mean, it's and that's of, as much as they could slot into that hole. It it's on. kind
2: of what we want from the Daleks, in the, as much as they're sneaky, but it's just kind of... I don't know what it is. Like you say, it's a stri- they're sneaky, but it's like, a, it's like they've gone around their houses to get what they want.
3: Does that make yeah. sense? It's very convoluted. There isn't mm-hmm. we I think I said to you, JR, straight after the episode, there was no there was no sort of dramatic purpose for having them involved in the Second World War. It's a nice conceit. It's a nice visual image. And that that's yeah. what yeah. that's what the episode is, isn't it? It's just it's yeah. a string of you know interesting visual images strung together by a very weak storyline i think mm. we um, really need there's no dramatic purpose really for the daleks to be involved in the second world war no and
0: world you world don't even really get it illustrated you no. see them shooting a few Messerschmitts, and you see them serving a cup of tea and carrying a file mm. but we really but that whole scene that whole sequence is over and done with in 10 minutes yeah. <clears <Absolutely>. <clears <throat> because it was a really oddly paced episode in terms very of unbalanced. Of, what you really needed was at least 20 minutes, if not half an hour at the start, where you could actually have the Daleks involved in some kind of a... Well, I hesitate to say the word plot, because it is a <laughs> plot. But you know what I mean? You need the Daleks involved in some kind of intrigue. As it is, you turn up, they're there. Yeah. And then the next thing is... It's already all happened. Yeah. You sort of think... It doesn't build up to the point at which the doctor starts hammering the Dalek and says the line of dialogue. Got he got just some, brings it himself out of nowhere. I've got some ideas where you can rearrange the building blocks and it make a lot more sense.
2: But I think if we rewind a bit, is that I think Dan, you reacted to it and I reacted to it. We sort of looked at each other and said, actually, this is quite nice.
3: Yeah. As it started. Yeah. The first. At which point, JL <laughs> said, yeah,
2: but "There's no plot." In which case, we sort of. Yeah. yeah, It
0: I was really it was really nicely done. It was a Nothing wasn't was happening yeah, whatsoever, yeah, was yeah.
1: it? No, no, no. But I mean we all reacted to the wonderful moment where the Dalek passes the uh, door. Oh, there's a lovely shot with the, and there's yeah, well, yeah. a close up of Matt Smith. Yeah. Which is interesting filming as well. It's quite artistic. It's well thought out. It's quirky. Have, they must mm. have thought, God, this is this is the shot, this is great, this will be for the trailer, whatever. Yeah. But that was it, wasn't it? We kind of lost that. So that tone. If I think back to
2: how where my mind was at with that series and how I still think of series five is that visually and this and the the new Daleks play into this. So I imagine we'll come back to this in a minute. Is with the new Tardis and with a lot of the style choices and the way it was filmed because um, actually that shot was very similar to the shot in the Beast Below where uh, Amy's trying to get into that work tent. Yes close and up and there's that the close view. up and yeah. the girls behind us a very
0: similar mm. shot again same so you, director isn't it Beast Balloon oh is it
2: Victory Andrew Gunn I think so oh, Okay. Um, so I was seeing all these visual things and when the when the Daleks came up in that room and everything was very shiny and metal and almost quite cushing in yeah. places I thought oh this is the way it's going this is really brave stuff you know mm. and I'm sort of sensitive to the design side and the visual side of it so I was really happy with a lot of it and um I don't know where I'm going with
0: this now, but... Then I mean, the Daleks came out to some parping music. And it <laughs>
3: felt like, <laughs> like
2: a, a comedy sequel. The yeah. Daleks. But, I, mean, <laughs> I don't want to be one of these... Uh, I always use that analogy, hey, analogy, of um, <clears throat> Dad on the goal line thinking he can play the thing better. But I'm, I was thinking, we said about when the Spitfires come out, they yeah, get, get them ready in about 10 minutes, like you say. Not
1: even
0: that.
2: Oh, there's a, they just, just have the, the idea. All and then, the way
1: through, we had timing issues, didn't we? But that 10 minutes was a mm, bit of
0: a... I tell used, you what. Go on. I don't have any issue with the fact that they got the Spitfires up and running in space in 10 minutes. (laughs) Because in a 45-minute episode, you have to condense in such a way that what you're doing becomes symbolic. Mm. So if they'd got the Spitfires up and running in 10 minutes of screen time, but what they were representing was several days' worth of work... yeah. And I don't even mean that it would have had to sort of have a dissolve sequence to show that it had been several days worth of work. But what I mean is, in order to make the story work, you have to have the Spitfires out there right now. So so it's okay to have the Spitfires out there as long as not that you earn it in terms of what you're seeing doing in order to get them there, but that you earn it in terms of the weight that you put behind what you're generating for the story. Mm. But as it was, it wasn't that the Spitfires needed to be out there because this was an absolutely crucial piece of the story. Mm. If it had been an absolutely crucial piece of the story and the story had been working, you'd have forgiven it. You'd have just said, "Okay, it's a 45-minute story. You kind of have
1: to have suspension of disbelief the but it is quite difficult things. to swallow sometimes that what that that was particularly that's what i'm saying because if <clears throat> you know our logical brains were thinking okay so brace um you know ingenious <clears throat> contraption needs to be put inside the mesh, uh, inside the spitfire yeah, the spitfires have to be quite close to launch there aren't any launch areas in the middle of london it'll be outside <laughs> It's, you know, everything takes more than eight minutes. I don't know. My toilet time takes nine minutes. <laughs> There's no way that they can launch a
0: spitfire into space. It's enough. Dalek technology. We don't, none of us had any yeah, problem it, with
1: yeah, no, 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 let me go. It's getting it there.
0: Let me go. None of us have any problem <laughs> with the scene where the Dalek <laughs> paradigm comes out of the machine. Literally within seconds of the machine being dead. Oh, I thought about bars. it. Yes, no, I did. No, no. no. well, I, I think you'll find that. <laughs> okay. that no, no, but
1: fun. I try not to. I right. Have to fight. But if Dalek technology, I can if, accept it.
0: If the story had been working, it Dalek technology. That's exactly right. Yeah. If the story had been working, and and Bracewell, as we know, is Dalek technology, and the what do they call them? O- oxygen bubbles? Something? No. What do they call Gravity them? Gravity bubbles. Gravity bubbles. Yeah. Their Dalek technology, too. There's no reason in a day and age where, I don't know, an Amazon warehouse can get 50 million packets delivered in mm. 24 hours. There's no reason why an automated system created and run by the Daleks or by an agent of the Daleks mm. couldn't create simple machines to create gravity bubbles. And we know we saw the Dalek ship. Flying off into hyperspace at the end, that it shouldn't have been a problem either to get those Spitfires from the Earth into space in the region of the Dalek ship, if the story had sold us it and we'd been willing yes. to suspend disbelief. Yes. I, th- I like think
3: that. That is, I, I yeah. think you can accept it as a you know in a fictional sense. The problem with the episode for me is the, that it, it didn't it have it. any balance. You you no. had. The the ending was for me was far too long, and there would seem to be sort of two endings really. That more, final scene, <laughs> three, quite unnecessary. Yeah. Well, yeah. Mm. So the, the, the I think dramatically it doesn't work. I, I don't really have a problem with them creating those bitfires in ten minutes if that serves the pacing of the rest of the story. The rest of the story is paced in the same way, but the pacing of this story is so uneven that that does leap out at you as being something that is mm. quite the ridiculous. The reason being. <clears throat>
0: They're making the Spitfires ready to go into space 20 minutes into the episode. Yeah. And the climax of the story is over and done with before the episode's even halfway through. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and that's... What, you, that's okay. you had an idea, Sammy. Can I, yeah, can I Find offer
0: up set. my idea, OK? And no, so, you've already told us what it is, and so I am vetoing it. <laughs> <and we're gonna> <laughs> <go>. <laughs> I haven't <didn't> told you. <laughs> oh, what? Oh, I see, yes. On before, the sofa
2: could... before we sat down. mm
0: um, my idea being, <laughs> hang on, did you not? <laughs> what
2: I just said, I was vetoing. <laughs> Why it Why are you vetoing it? I'm just saying there's a simple, there's a simple way. Yeah, but it's a good think... idea, and on okay, this podcast, all right, it's just...
0: my job to come up with a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> God, Simon. It was a very no, good idea. No,
2: no, just the idea... I'll tell was... you what, before you go into it... No, no, no. I what, I've out. got a gag. No, not. no this No, <laughs> not. is not somebody interrupts you, no, I'm this not is... sticking up you. No, this is
1: not a gag this time. <laughs> I'm just going to
0: say, before you go into it, mm. and because I think it's worth bringing this up before you go into it, go on. because if you bring it up afterwards... people. Are you are going to say my idea before I say it? No, no, no. I'm only going to say... <laughs> <laughs> Cool. So when you sit down to write something, mm. it's very easy afterwards for oh, somebody else to take the same elements yeah. and say, this is what you could have done with the same elements. Yeah. The person who's actually writing it is yeah. too close to the material to step back and say, oh, what if I do this mm. instead? Yeah. I wasn't going to say that. No, no, it's not like what a script editor's for then. Possibly, but, you know, we that's... don't have script editors anymore. <laughs> and we would we have probably have got <laughs> to this. Well, yeah, but we would have got to this eventually. Mark Gatiss does seem to be the one person who Stephen Moffat never interrupts. Mm. Possibly. Go on, but, then, your but then, idea. But then that's why I mentioned the dad on the goal line thing, because I'm very
2: aware of it. But I'm, <laughs> I'm not saying this is a better idea, I'm just saying it's an example of how he... No, thinks. it's a better idea. Well, my idea was... Get rid of the phone call completely, because that bugs me. The whole idea of people being able to phone the doctor. Churchill
3: phoning the doctor. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. It's ridiculous. So they just turn up at Earth in that year, and they find a Spitfire floating in space. The reason why it's been there is they've been doing test flights. And it's
1: there. It's planted. It's, there. it's that gun business, isn't it?
0: Well yeah. it gets you into the story in a natural way instead yeah. of a contrived
2: and way. And the doctor, doctor can still know Winston Churchill because he'll go down to Earth and say, Oi, what of your planes doing up there? And he like, yeah. ah, well, yeah. that's just something we're working on. That's but a let side me show you project this. from this project. Exactly, yeah. But there
3: would have been a better dramatic entry into the story. Definitely. So it makes it better in that sense. And also... It would have then prevaricated that whole problem of the pacing, and Mm. you know, so yes, it is a really good idea. You would have believed it, Mm -hmm. it's a really good
2: idea. You'd have known that most of the work had been done and just something
0: needed to be done. Do you know what the real issue with the phone call is? And you know, we've all got a problem with a phone call, but the reason we have a problem with the phone call is because five minutes into the episode, Winston Churchill says oh, yeah, I didn't actually have any reason to ring you at all. Yeah. Because if he'd had an actual genuine reason to ring him
3: mm. and
0: the doctor had come because Churchill had rung him, that's actually a good way into the story, <laughs> regardless of whether you think it's right or not yeah, for yeah, people to ring yeah. the doctor. Yeah, what did he ring him? You <laughs> know, in the empty child. <laughs> the telephone rings. He just wanted to
1: show off his things, didn't he? Well, no, because the telephone call wasn't that. It felt no, menacing. he said, he said oh, yeah, you've arrived a
0: month late. I thought there was something a bit iffy about them, but actually now I'm
1: oh, yeah. quite mm. sure mm. they're okay. Mm. It's
0: like, no, you don't think there's something a bit iffy about them when you don't even know what they are. And then a month later, when you've seen what they're capable of, mm. you think,
3: oh, no, they're fine. But that's sort of symbolic of the whole contrived nature of the episode, isn't it? Yeah. Everything is just a bit contrived and doesn't quite mm. ring true. Everything <laughs> so I think that's the mm. overall problem with it. Everything
0: and- in that episode is this is what we need in order to get to the next spot, yeah. rather than letting the characters or the story itself take you through it.
3: I just think so. I just think probably, you know, somebody just said, oh, Spitfires in space, fantastic. Daleks, World War II, fantastic. How can we put all that together? Mm. I think that's probably the thought pattern. Another the thought symptom, process, I think
0: that's... Yeah, another symptom of that is I am your soldier, mm. which when I first heard it, a lot of people when they first heard it thought, what a great line. But when I first edit, I just thought, yeah, you're obviously referencing Power of the Daleks. Yeah. And you've changed one word unnecessarily. You might as well have kept it, I am your servant, because that's basically all the Daleks saying. Yeah. So you might as well just have kept the reference straight as it was. But you've thrown it in, in order to wink at the audience who know this is what I'm doing. I'm doing a little homage to Power of the Daleks. And it just it just sort of sits there staring you in the face Mm. as a really contrived thing for the Dalek to say. It doesn't feel... And at the point where the Dalek says it, it doesn't feel natural.
3: Well, I think also servant is much more powerful than soldier, isn't it, in a way? Yeah. Because it denotes subservience and it denotes the (coughs) fact that, you know, they are serving. Yeah. Uh, the humans. Whereas, if you say "I am your soldier," well, it's not as a, anything, as potent a really. sort of message. No. It's too strong. Um,
0: well, so... it means essentially uh, not just "I'm your equal," but "I'm your superior." In a yeah, way, yeah,
3: absolutely. It doesn't. So it's it's sort mm-hmm. of misquoting, isn't it? Really? Yeah. But then yeah. they go, but then they
1: go <laughs> and kind of trump you a little bit by saying, "Would you like a cup of tea?" <laughs> <laughs> line, which is a I great thought, line. But, yeah, and very. Funny. But
3: soldiers don't serve cups of tea. do they? No, or servants do. <laughs> but what would have been really good? my House. You know, <laughs> what,
0: yeah, but when you do a story like, or no, when you do a series like Doctor Who, some of the really good things in Doctor Who are the tiny little moments that come out of nowhere, they're a little bit eccentric, that take you completely by surprise, but at the same time as taking you completely by surprise, they're also totally consistent with the story that's being told. What would have been better than if they'd have been standing on the rooftop, seen these laser beams taking out these Messerschmitts or whatever they were, for the doctor to say, Oh my God, I recognise that sound, rushes up to the roof. And by the way, the bit where he rushes up to the roof was a bit weakly done. Mm gets to the roof the sort of stands next to the gap between the sandbags and a Dalek comes out wheels up to him and instead of saying i am your soldier says would you like a cup of tea right there and then yeah mm-hmm. i've done what i needed to do now i got something else i got to do mm-hmm. and it's make everybody a cup of tea yeah
1: that
0: would have been that would have been one of those Completely wrong-footing
1: moment. Yeah, agreed. As well, opposed were,
0: to I am your soldier, which is one of those, oh, It's what sort of the
1: young kids mm. call the WTF moment, I believe. Yeah. Um, exactly. <laughs> but uh, that there was a lovely moment with, with Matt Smith kind of losing it because he he asked me for he wants a cup of tea a second time, of course, and then smacks the trailway and goes at the Dalek. And I I love it when the Doctor gets angry because you think, oh, you know, this is it. This is the moment where he shows all his passions. Christopher and does it so well, and Capaldi as well. But then, you know, and then he gets a giant wrench uh, or spanner. Do you see the size of that spanner? Yeah, it's huge. What was that doing up Mm. in the war room? (laughs) Seriously? (laughs) I couldn't get past that. That's true, actually. Yeah, I'm sorry, that just spoiled the entire scene for me. (laughs) (laughs) If he was whacking
3: whacking a darling with a hole punch, it would have been really... That would have been funny, though. That would have been Yeah, maybe. Probably well, should you. have been fishing things out of his
0: <laughs> pocket, hitting the Dalek with them, and going, "Oh bugger, another jammy dodger!" as it Disintegrates into pieces in his fingers. <laughs> like, he should be throwing biscuits at it. Yeah, why not? Do you know what? <laughs> Do you know what Matt Smith's problem in that episode is? And Sweet. I think, I think the that's is. about as weak as you ever get to see him. Well, yeah, it's the script, but actually, I don't think the dialogue's diabolical. I think the dialogue works quite nicely mm. in a... It would have sat nicely on the page of a comic strip yeah, kind of yeah, a way. that's it. But human beings to say it is a little bit more problematic. But you can do that if your director's on board with doing it... In a sort of comic book style. Mm. You look at Aliens of London or Rose... Yeah. And the dialogue is just as arch and just as unnatural. But they're getting away with it because everybody on that set is going... Okay, if we play this like a comic strip... If we do it in a slightly mannered way, then we can get away with doing this arch dialogue. They don't do that here. But the big problem is, I think you've got Matt Smith completely unsettled by spending a good half of that episode in a room by himself, either talking to dustbins or green screens.
1: Hmm. An actor... Are you talking about Winston Churchill (laughs) here?
0: No, Matt Smith in The Dalek Spaceship. He spends an awful (laughs) lot of time
3: there. Ian McNeese's a desperate. And then in The TARDIS.
0: (laughs) He spends another several minutes in The TARDIS after. Lee can't get over himself. He thinks he's just said the funniest thing ever.
1: No, I'm just thinking about it. An
0: actor thrives on dialogue, on interaction with other actors. And you can put Nick Briggs in the next room and get him to do the dialogue live. For all you like, but if there's no other actors in the room with the doctor when he's doing those dialogues with the Daleks and, you know, Christopher Eccleston did a brilliant scene with the Dalek in Dalek, but it was two minutes long, not 15 minutes long.
1: Well, let, let's go get up to the spaceship again, then, because the scenes. Also, we were saying that some of the scenes were far too long. <laughs> there's a moment where the Tardis disappears, and we get about four or five shots of yeah? Winston Churchill, and Amy, just looking at the Tardis disappearing, and thinking, "Hang on a minute, you'd cut that, edit, edit." Ed. Yeah. And when he's up on the ship, there's this, he's wandering around the Daleks, just having a good old time looking at their instruments, and why don't you just fry him there and then? What, what, uh, uh, you know, what? Why this convoluted plot of, oh, and we've got an android which we're going to trump you with, Doctor, and they, they know it's a what bloody jammy dodger. <coughs> they got his quote. Yeah. That was what they needed him So for. just yeah. kill him.
2: And but if they'd have done the him, thing, isn't it? If,
1: no, what if, yeah, they but what it felt like liking, was, they needed to show was, off, an, was an actor on set with lots of other actors in Dustbins. Again. And it not feeling <laughs> threatening. Again, the thing of it is, if the
0: story's selling itself to you, you don't mind. When the villain stops and no. says, "Look at what well, I'm it was up, good. up to," the, jammy the Dodger not, it was fine. But then after true.
1: that, when they realise it's not a jammy dodger, it's like, "Well, should we just kill him?" Mm-hmm. No, no. I will tell you what. We'll go over here in the other corner of the room and start talking to. But him. the
0: trouble with the set is, <laughs> it's a big empty space, and you just stick your actor in the middle of it for ten or fifteen minutes, which gives him, other than the fact that he fishes a jammy dodger out of his pocket, gives him nothing physical to do. When an actor, there's no movement. <clears throat> Exactly, that's what yeah. I mean. Yeah. An actor needs something physical to do. Now, whether that's interaction with another actor, and when two actors are interacting, they're physically bouncing off each other, yeah. even if they're not walking around or moving around, you know, their faces are reacting to what the other person's face is doing, and there's there's a physicality.
3: I think also, though, without wanting to sound patronising, because I think Matt Smith, you know, was is a really good actor, but... Uh, when he started in the series he was very new he was very young and you can see an actor learning how to do it and those er i think in those early episodes you can really see that he is still quite unsettled and finding his feet and it probably it it really does take him that whole season before he really starts flying i think um and i think that's just down to you know youth and inexperience and everything else Um, that's not to say he's bad in that season I don't think he is but you can see him trying to work out how to do it
0: there's a dichotomy between the Stephen Moffat episodes and the other episodes where I think Stephen Moffat gives him enough physically to do and rich enough dialogue that he's comfortable in what he's doing and I think this is kind of the point about a new actor you put somebody who's never acted before on a stage and the thing is not remembering your lines or remembering where you have to walk. But the thing is, feeling comfortable in your body being there. And that's what's going on with Matt Smith in, here. He doesn't look comfortable in his body being there. Mm. He looks uncomfortable on screen in this episode. Not necessarily all the way through it, but certainly at points. He looks yeah. very
1: uncomfortable. <clears throat> but as as he progresses through his tenure, you see him almost dancing around the sets um, when we talking to Saul all, the, all those years ago. Um when he directed him, he stormed like a Fred Astaire type thing. So he moved the camera with him. It's really yeah. static this this, yeah, this episode, yeah. and you, like you say, you could tell he's he's pretty much strangled on set. He can't really do much, and there's a lot of um, it's not... him looking at the Dalek. Dalek looking at him, and lots of two shots where the Dalek
3: and him. Are, you know, it's. There's I don't, I don't think it, I don't think necessarily. It, maybe it wasn't written for you know Matt's Doctor. I'm not saying it was written for another Doctor, but maybe maybe you know at the time it was written, it was going to be a more sort of mature. Actor, or you know, perhaps oh, he had yeah. an idea that, and because it is much more sedate, isn't it? And it's hmm. more still, still, yeah. yeah. And that, and whereas it,
0: what, it once if you, you've yeah, seen Matt you, Smith's Doctor for just a few seconds, you know that still yeah. is the last thing he's going to think. But if
3: if you'd given a younger Matt Smith lots of action to do, he probably would have gone, "Oh, actually, yeah, I know how to do this. I can do this." <laughs> but actually, you know, some of the more sort of still stuff, maybe. He's just—he's plainly he's more struggling,
0: isn't he? Yeah, a little bit.
3: Mm. I think I mean,
0: he's quite confident in his delivery of the lines, but he's just so uncomfortable in his skin in those scenes. It undermines. His I think he's of nowhere
3: near as bad in that episode as Karen Gillan. I have to say, I, I think she was. She's was absolutely I wasn't, nothing. Yeah, you
0: know? I wasn't really sure
2: what
3: she was actually portraying in that.
2: She
0: was. Um, she didn't, didn't feel like well she was in
3: it, did she? she? No. To me, when I was watching some of those scenes with her, well, a lot of the scenes she was just left in the background. But it didn't feel like she was sort of in the scene. Yeah, she asked, well, "What sort of... should I
2: be doing now?" Where well, you should be looking at Winston
3: Churchill, like, "Yo, oh, this yeah. is Winston Churchill. What do I do?" And she'd... But when you gave her the, when she had the final um, episode, uh, the final scene with the Bracewell, Bracewell. Bracewell mm. uh, um, that was really good. She, was, you could see her click mm. into that and think, mm. "Oh yeah, I know how to do this. This is, you know, this is my oh, moment. I can do this." No, I don't know. Mm. She, I think she had a bit, bit early wasn't on really there, she, with the um idea that
1: Bracewell is a, alien technology that she could use against yeah. the Daleks, and that that was, that was actually quite a nice moment, and it, it was quite natural. But what's happening? Well, but what's it's happening there is I think is oh,
0: that. Yeah. In the first, and this is, we've just watched the first three episodes week on week, Dan, I don't know Mm. if you realise, so we're kind of going through it a week at a time, watching the whole series, series Mm. five. And in both the first two episodes, see, what Stephen Moffat's done is taken what Ross T. Davis did, where at the start of each companion's journey, they have to prove themselves to the Doctor, but here, Amy's proved herself three weeks on the trot, Mm. which is starting to look. (laughs) <laughs> not just a contrivance but a contrivance upon a contrivance mm-hmm. and the and why it becomes an issue this week is because last week in The Beast Below we saw her work her way through the story to the point at which she puts all the elements together and clicks them into place this week we don't see her do anything yeah. until the point at which she's supposed to suddenly go I know what's going on, this mm-hmm. is going to solve it mm-hmm. Now, it's no good having an actor just standing at the back of a scene, absorbing it all to the point at which that happens because, you know, it's television. Mm. And in television and on the stage, you don't have the luxury that you have in a book of being able to tell the person reading it what's going through this person's mind. You have to show them on stage and on television What's going through a person's mind? So you have to have scenes peppered throughout the story yeah. where Amy is very ostentatiously for the audience picking the stuff up that she'll use. But that's at the why you was
3: saying earlier that it would have been more interesting to see her discovering what the Daleks were—much mm-hmm. yeah. more, which would have placed her more um, upfront. Up front. Mm. and to, to see of the her, Doctor just to tell see her, her, her thought and process yeah. and see her working all of that out would have been much much more interesting ways. the doctor is profoundly uninteresting because the doctor arrives the doctor knows what they are immediately well that's not interesting no. what's interesting is seeing someone discover it in the same way that you're discovering it as a viewer well, and it, the it, only person actually who discovers anything
0: throughout this entire episode is the bloody robot yeah you know,
1: <laughs> in this below, we we saw those thought processes from Amy, didn't we? And in a yeah. way, that's a, that's a character trait, isn't it? I mean, she, that's how she would work something out and put <laughs> things together. It's it's interesting that that wasn't followed on. You know, like you just said, the thought process of of her working something out, um, it could have just been shown. It doesn't have to be shown visually every time, but give us you need to get to, an inkling from, of it. Yeah, and I think Jigsaw for her to put together.
0: Going back to what I said just now, and. <clears throat> This may or may not be the case but what it feels like is that Stephen Moffat's told Mark Gatiss what he's doing with the characters in the series and Mark Gatiss has gone off and written a script Mm -hmm. and then when the scripts come back instead of tweaking it because if you tell somebody what you're doing you know that's one thing they're not going to get what you're doing until they actually see what you're doing and obviously being that this is episode 3 Mark Gatiss doesn't have the luxury of watching episodes one or four or whatever. Yeah, exactly. You're right. So, mm-hmm. so when, yeah, so when Gatus comes back with a script, what needs to happen is Stephen Moffat needs to sit down with him and with it and say, right, you've got all the beats right, but you need to fill in the texture between like this so it fits in with the texture of what's going on with the actual characters as they will be on screen as opposed to just on the page. And what's happened here is you've kind of got all the beats on the page, but they haven't translated to the screen. Hmm. That's what it felt like to me. It felt like Mark Gatiss has come back with a workable script and they've just gone ahead with a workable script. Yeah, Instead absolutely. It's like a first it draft. To, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Instead of translating it into...
3: And so, sadly, a sort of underrunning first draft. I mean, the, it sort of ended 10 minutes before it... Ended. <laughs> well, like yeah, we, it we exactly said, like, yeah, yeah,
0: it was like he, Mark is... and I think this is a problem, or not necessarily a problem, an issue, something that happens throughout Series Five is that a lot of the writers come in, including Stephen Moffat at points, and do a Russell T. Davis because that's what they're used to Doctor Who being like, and mm. kind of nobody knows yet that it's going to be something different, and I don't think it becomes really something different to write at the end of Series Five, and here you've got an issue of. Mark Gatiss, obviously saying, well, this is what we did with Russell T. Davis. We had this big emotional scene at the end that goes on for 10 minutes because, you know, you look at the end of uh, yeah. World War Three. the story finishes 30 minutes and the episode's 42. Yeah. You've got 10 minutes of emotional mm-hmm. stuff at the end. And Mark Gatiss does the same thing here. And it doesn't fit because it's a new regime. And although the script's not necessarily a million miles away from what Russell T. Davis would have written, the production certainly is... The direction and even the production design's already starting to move away from Russell T. Davis. So it feels like not just a first draft, but a first draft from a different
1: series yeah. that they've just made with the actors from Doctor Who. So let me get this right. The Doctor didn't actually do anything, did he? Apart from just reveal <clears throat> the Daleks as who they are. And then they took his voice and they created the new Daleks. But he didn't do anything, did he? Of use. As far as I can see, he just moaned a well, lot. Well, again, so, as a contrivance yeah, where he saves the planet Earth, but he doesn't purely. Yeah. I, I was going to say purely by virtue of the fact that they didn't kill him. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> they actually yeah. they actually say the lines. Oh, you you saving the Earth isn't too shabby, is it? I'm sure they said you and not we. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But he didn't. It was Amy. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. even Amy because let's face it the, it, the right right Dark still have
0: mm. destroyed the planet of Earth earth if they would not want to do anyway. They just go. They're big enough. They just say we've got what we needed and we go. Yeah. Speaking but, uh, of the Daleks, I suppose we'd better speak about the paradigm, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> we might be six years behind the, the time for this, but, uh,
1: the bit where they come out is... <sighs> didn't you like them to begin with, JR? No. I mean, you're a toy collector, aren't you? Do, do you like the toys, for instance? No. Are they like good toys, good solid? No. no? they're no, <laughs> no, not <laughs> even any good as toys I don't mind them at all but uh, and is there any is there any truth in the fact that they were designed that way because you had big things that could open on, on their backs and yeah, switch about yeah that's true that
3: was the idea yeah but well, they ran out of budget in
1: order to use it
0: there was supposed to be a it was supposed to be a CG effect where the, uh, some kind of weapon comes out of the back and slides up and slots around into the place where the gun was oh, yeah. or something
3: I suppose that was the original idea as i understand it i think it was placed in the hands of a designer who you know went off and did it and it wasn't really i don't think it was sort of very heavily checked upon. I feel like it's going a then spinal turned tap. turned up one day and said, here they are, and like, the woman Think of the spinal
1: tap. Do you remember the spinal tap when they when they give, get, they write it on the back of a handkerchief, don't they, about how big Stonehenge stone should be? And they, put, and they put 11 feet, and the woman thinks it's inches, so the <laughs> <Yes>. tiny <laughs> stone comes down on the, on the Sort of the reverse of that. But <laughs> I'm sure when the script was
0: written, well, no, I'm not sure that, when the script was written, there are two possibilities, in my mind. Because, you know, the script is written around there being a new paradigm. Either they could have simply have taken the same moulds, but instead of doing them in bronze, actually given them a colour scheme.
3: Yeah. Which actually, the at the time, I remember <clears> the big um sort of furore among fans and all sorts of people was the idea of multicoloured Daleks. I loved it. And, yeah, and I just sort of... I, at the time, I said, Oh, that's fantastic. You mm. know, and you, we all sort of thought probably about the Peter Cushing films yeah. and mm, yeah. those amazing multicolored sort of that. I love those. I love all that sort of kitsch 60s feel. And I thought, Oh, actually, that's going to be really interesting. Mm, mm. What I wasn't in any sense prepared for was the complete redesign. And the changing of the <coughs> shape and the scale of them, which: Well, this was going to be just, my other.: For me, just absolutely does not work. I mean the, the other
0: possibility the oddly
3: shape to my mind is that mm.
0: what Gates and/or Stephen Moffat and/ or whoever had in mind for the Dalek paradigm was not simply the same molds but in colors, but maybe take that mold and do a movie Dalek on it. In other words, use same design same size, same shape, take off the rivets so that they're smoother, so that you get something a yeah. little bit closer to the actual movie Daleks. And then you've essentially got the same Daleks in colours, but just slightly tweaked, so that you can yeah, also see is... that they're a different kind of Dalek, but basically they're still the same.
2: It's almost like a different sensibility. Going back to what I was saying before, the, the, the redesign of the, intern, the internals mm-hmm. of the TARDIS, and also the slight screwdriver have that almost organic sheen, lots of chrome, lots of foil, that sort of thing mm. then these Daleks turn up and you think the colours, that fits into that because it's all part and parcel of that mm. vivid, almost comic-y thing, you know where we, where it's like, well this is this okay this is a different reality, you know, we'd, it's like watching Flash Gordon, it's just grey yeah. and that was really exciting, and then you see them and they've got the same sensibilities as an 80s grifter <laughs> Basically, yes. Do you know yeah. what? Wow, that—that is,
1: that is exactly, yeah, yeah. totally. And but I quite it, like it
2: because I loved '80s grifters, but <laughs> <laughs> and I'm glad that they they had their little time, and I'm I'm quite have a bit of affection for of them because they have that moment in time. But if they carried on, it just I just don't think it's
0: well. We're coming back to that. I was just going to say as a sort of side point to that, or and on, uh, the opposite side of the coin to that is um, about a year ago the new three and a half inch range that character options are doing. Mm. They did a series of um, twin Daleks sets <laughs> where they released two um, evil of the Daleks guard Daleks. And they did the two Daleks from the Paul McGann story. I can't remember what it's called the red Dalek and the yellow Dalek. Right. They released them in twin packs anyway. And what they did Paul was, McGann. yeah, Paul McGann comic strip, children oh, of the revolution. Okay. They did a children of the revolution set where you've got a, basically a, Classic series design, but one in red and one in yellow from the cartoon strip. And one of the other sets they did was um, the Peter Cushing movies. But rather than spend, you know, thousands and thousands of pounds retooling the entire (laughs) mould just so that they could release this pack, what they did was they just took the mould from the Rossity Davis Daleks and did two Daleks in the colours of the Peter Cushing movies. And I bet they looked amazing. Well, a lot of people complained, because obviously it was the wrong mould. But actually, if you forget the fact that it's the wrong mould, and you yeah. forget the fact that it's the... I think it was Cushing, or maybe... Yeah, no, it was Cushing, but they didn't do the colourful ones. They just did a black one and a silver oh, right. one with blue spots or whatever. Yeah. But they still look amazing. Yeah. And actually, you know the power of the Daleks fan film that yeah. was yeah, yeah. two or three years ago where they took Russell T Davis moulds and did them in the colours of the yeah. black they and white great. series Daleks and they look fantastic.
3: Yeah, That's what they could have done
0: with the Paradigm.
3: I think the big problem mm. with the Paradigm ones for me is the proportions of them. Exactly. Uh, the yeah. shape is wrong with the sort of slightly hunched sort of back thing. Once looks, you get... all, they look awful in profile. But I've got a bit of a theory. I, I think the reason why for me they, they just don't work is because the the proportions of the new series Daleks, the proper new series Daleks, they're proportioned so that the eye stalk looks straight into well, it was originally proportioned. That's to costume. look into yeah, yeah. Billy Piper's Oh eye. Billy Piper, that's so right. Yeah. It, that's that was that sort of dictated the shape of them. But also they because they're on a more sort of human size level you get that idea that they're quite angst ridden and they're confined and they're angry about that mm. because of the size of them. If you sort of make them towering and huge and mm. sort of almost towering yeah. over you, you lose that whole dimension of them being confined and angry you and lose annoyed. Little
0: man syndrome. So exactly. Yeah, yeah, that. The physicality. And so they actually, yeah. it
3: actually diminishes, I think,
0: their power uh, because they're the, Like the Sontarans, actually, yeah. and they did the Sontarans mm. well, one of the things about the Daleks way back in 1963 was not just the fact that they don't look like a man in a suit, but that they're also so small that you don't actually think a man can fit inside and you're wondering yeah, who the hell's doing it and how. Absolutely. But with the Dalek paradigm you're thinking, well actually is there a team of operators? <laughs> <laughs> but, um,
1: Matt Smith's pretty tall though, isn't he? Because I mean, I th- Karen Gillen is very tall, so they mu- he must mm. be quite tall. Did they not design it in the same way as Billy Piper's thinking. I've oh, no if he has gotta look into the no, eyes it was, store. it was to make yeah, them more did. intimidating. Yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah. I think it was to
3: yeah, I think it was to make them scarier because they're bigger. But I, but yeah, I don't necessarily deliberately think do the, the eyeliner on
0: Matt Smith's level.
3: But I think they're more but scary then, because they're 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 slightly diminished and like you say, the small man syndrome, it conjures up that whole idea of you know, they've got this not only this sort of anger, but also they're unpredictable because they're yeah. childlike and they're mm. angry all the time. You know, an angry child is much more Dangerous frightening than a with a laser angry. gun in his hand. Yeah, yeah. And going back to your theory
0: about the designer, who sort of, whatever happened <clears throat> when Russell T. Davis was going to leave Doctor Who, as we now know, we hadn't this wasn't said at the time, but as we now know, the BBC were going to knock it on the head. And Russell T. Davis actually went into bat and said, no, just give it to Stephen Moffat. <laughs> Russell T. Davis has had a huge success with Doctor Who for the BBC. Stephen Moffat's coming in and he's had relative successes, but he is not proven in the way that Russell T. Davis was proven by the point at which Ross T Davis was handing over Doctor Who. In other words, Mm. there's this big thing that when Stephen Moffat turns up, he does everything his way. He appoints the executive producers. He signs off on the scripts. He signs off on the designs. He signs off on who the actors are. That's not how it works. The BBC signs off on all this stuff. You know, Ross T Davis and Stephen Moffat give their recommendation, but they don't sign the final dotted line the bbc do mm. and especially when stephen moffat turns up because this is not the guy the bbc went into bat for this is the guy russell t davis went into bat for and the bbc presumably as an organization as slightly suspicious slightly suspicious of the new man and he has to prove himself again before he gets anything like the autonomy that russell t davis did so when people look back at those times and say oh pierce wenger beth willis They're the people Stephen Moffat wanted. Probably not, actually. They were probably imposed upon him. And something like the new design for the Dalek paradigm, I don't know what the circumstance was, but I would imagine somewhere along the line that it's not by any stretch of the imagination Stephen Moffat who's signing off on that, but somebody else somewhere else. And there's every chance, actually, that Stephen Moffat didn't even get to see it before the Daleks were... Built and painted, and had people inside them. On I, the honestly, I honestly around.
3: don't think he did, um, and I think it, you know it was just a case of somebody just losing focus on it. I think, and you know, someone else going off and doing it. You know, but that's <clears> that's what the way happens, it goes sometimes. It. <laughs> we, Thankfully, what, what, what they're what not the, being used much. No, invention. what were the stories? <laughs> well,
0: I think it bro- kind of proves the point <laughs> that Stephen Moffat's been loath to
1: use them again. Really, <laughs> well, absolutely. It? Yeah. Have you got any stories from you. the inside? No pun intended about how the. How hard they were, or easy they were, or were they more comfortable to drive around? Do you know.
3: Well, I've no, I've not operated them at all. No. Um, so I say that first of all. I know that they are much much more difficult to operate than the normal series ones.
1: Mm. More um, difficult.
3: Yeah, much more because difficult of the size because actually, they're much yeah. larger and they're much 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 heavier. Um, so you can't mm. actually sit in them as you would, you know, the the ordinary sort of Daleks. Um, you have to actually sort of stand and crouch at the same time. Mm, so they, I guess in dark Apparently terms, they're, they're very difficult. It's the
0: difference between driving a car and driving a bus.
1: Yeah. And mm. mm. driving a bus stand- half standing up. <laughs> well, yeah, but <because> kind <laughs> of... No <their laughs> mirrors, no <their laughs>
3: windows.
0: <laughs> mm. I suppose the point is, though, no, if no, no, you're no. inside something and you have to be the person who's, you know, making that thing go where you want it to and do what you want it to do, mm. actually, it goes back to Man in Monster Suit it's so much easier mm. to put on a Cyberman costume and be a Cyberman than it is to put on a Dalek costume and be a Dalek and imagine how much more difficult again it is when all of a sudden that Dalek costume's like twice as big yeah, mm. or whatever. Mm. Not maybe twice as big but, you know, bigger. And and then, of course, you get to the contrivance of why do the Daleks need Matt Smith, need the Doctor to say X thing? If uh, And again, this undermines kind of the point of what the Daleks are. If the Daleks are so sophisticated that they've got this (laughs) progenitor device that can actually create a whole new species of Daleks out of thin air why would that device depend upon a line of dialogue from a person? Um, a
1: testimony. I, are they not I intelligent enough like to
0: that. actually investigate the other Daleks and find out what they are? And why do they need there to be other Daleks there in order to make more Daleks in the first I think, place? I
3: think that's quite a neat idea, actually. Yeah. But yeah. I, I don't yeah. think it was... It doesn't work it, it wasn't properly, properly expressed in the episode, was not it? No. If, if the line that the Doctor gave was some sort of answer to some metaphysical problem or, you know, some sort yeah. of... Yeah, I like
2: that irony. That the, the, the mm. their enemy, their greatest enemy, needs to let them tell mm. them who they are. Yeah,
3: I like that. Yeah, but it just I like wasn't that sufficiently. But... I don't think it was sufficiently in no. the forefront of the script. But it doesn't it? No.
0: play through. No, if you're going to have that idea, you need to play that idea through. But the very next thing we see is Daleks. Magic out of nowhere and mm. then destroying the Daleks that turn the machine on. Yeah. So, you I mean... Think,
3: well, why can not they have done that anyway?
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's Insofar really... as that's concerned, what does it matter who turns the machine on because you're only going to kill them when you appear? Yeah. As long as the machine gets turned on... The machine's going to want to make Daleks, Mm -hmm. right? So if you're going to use an idea like... The machine gets turned on and makes Daleks. Yeah.
1: But if you're going to use an idea... With with an interesting looking egg as well. If you're going to use an idea like the
0: Daleks need the Doctor to do something for them before they can become Daleks, then that needs to follow through in the story. It goes back to what I always say about all the plot elements must come out of your main story thread in order to feel consistent, otherwise it just feels like you're putting things in because you want those things to be in there rather than because that's where they belong mm-hmm. and it's just another one of those well, I think things
3: it is, it, that's exactly true, if the focus of the story had been that the Daleks need to be told who the Daleks are and the humans need to be told what the Daleks are which is essentially what it is, you know. Then that would have been fine, but that wasn't really the focus of the story. Do you, know it? That, really stories, <clears> no, do you know what would have really worked? That's two stories, to be honest.
0: No, but you know what would have really worked actually,
3: mm. if they'd have spent the entire
0: forty-five minutes with these Dalek Ironsides doing Winston Churchill's bidding because the Daleks had fallen back through time and forgotten who they were. Yeah,
3: exactly. Yes.
0: And the Doctor didn't need just to persuade Churchill and Amy and everybody else that the Daleks were bad, but in doing so, actually told the Daleks
3: who That's what I think, but I, it. I don't think. It, I think it just got lost in the the rewriting. Maybe
1: I genuinely. That's what I thought the first time I saw it. Possibly. That's what it should have been. Yeah. So what we're saying is these are all lovely elements, aren't they? Really yeah. lovely, but
2: elements.
0: they don't add up to a story. No. no,
1: no. Interesting. I love the actor who played Bracewell. Bill Powerson he's great. Yeah. He was in Local Hero. He was. He was mm-hmm. absolutely brilliant. One of oh, the strongest Possibly Fantastic the strongest character. thing in that, actually. <clears throat> Ian mm. McNeice is charming, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, I know he's he's played uh, Winston Churchill on stage, mm. and I expect it's incredible. But I think mm. here is a bit odd because you're probably taking him from the stage, mm. putting him in front of the screen, playing a character that he's developed for the stage and then he's got to tone him down and play yeah. some bizarre dialogue in the science fiction Because it's
3: not, it's not a portrayal of Churchill, is it? I mean, it no, is no, supposed this, to no, be, but it, no. it's, 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 Churchill, it's Churchill it's as an action hero, and, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's... And what is the, the softness again, as,
2: well, as well that you want wouldn't to you associate yeah, with yeah, yeah, the, no, the real no, Churchill? Again, but I think, J.R.,
3: this goes back to what you <clears> were saying, is that the tone of the episode was misfired because it should have been a sort of slightly arch comic book action hero sort of thing I tell you what because it's not a real Churchill is it? No
0: I tell you what the very best example of that is when Mark Gatiss comes in and does the voices for the pilot and he does it straight out of a 1940s war movie Mm. whereas everybody else is playing it as something that's playing at being a 1940s war movie so you've got Churchill and Bracewell (laughs) being real people but in a sort of sent up sort of a way and you've got Mark Gatiss playing it absolutely straight down the line from something that's seven decades removed from what everybody else is doing. Mm. It's just a symptom of how nobody seemed to have known quite what they were aiming for.
2: Mm. That's mm. really interesting. You Those say. tone like, meetings yeah. didn't work
1: properly, I think. If they'd all played it like Mark Gatiss was intending, or maybe in his head thought they were going to play it, then maybe it would have worked better. As a, an it episode. could have
0: been really interesting if they'd have played it as a really straight 1940s yeah. Star War movie, or it could have been really interesting if they'd have played it as a sort of a a send-up not a funny send-up but you know what I mean a a sort of homage come pastiche Mm. of that kind of thing but as it is some people are playing it as pastiche and some people are playing it as straight up just that girl whose husband is out in the plane you hear about it at the start of the episode you hear about it at the end of the episode and Mm. pretty much in between it's forgotten about it's another one of those story elements that's just paid
1: to. yeah I thought it was about
0: like a matter of life and death sort of thing
2: know. It's it's a shame
1: and also, and she was uh, quite good as well. Yeah, she, she was. Actually, she was underused. Absolutely, mm. I agree. It's lip
0: service to a plot thread, rather than lip an service actual plot all around thread, because it's mm. also
1: lip service to Churchill, isn't it? He, he's only there because it's Churchill. He again doesn't do anything in the episode, as far as I know. He doesn't switch a switch or move the plot forward. Or doesn't anything, he doesn't do anything Churchillian, that's for sure. It's a word. Yeah, he has. Is that a, <laughs> yeah. mm, has, right. Is that a <laughs> bit like a chinchilla? <laughs> <laughs> <That's> the, <laughs>
0: Churchillian, you Churchillian,
2: must have Oh yeah, Churchillian, but it sounds like chinchilla. <laughs> Churchill-esque, like <a> chinchilla chinchilla. <laughs> <Churchillian> chinchilla.
0: <laughs> but the point is, you put Churchill in your story, and you need to see him making decisions, and all you see happen is the decisions get pulled away from him, taken out of his hands, because he's there, he's got these Daleks. What you need to see is his decision to use the Daleks. Mm. But as it is, you arrive, he's already using the Daleks, and the Doctor takes the Daleks off him, yeah,
3: undermines right. him as a character. If you would seen him actually making that decision, that would have been... Yeah. Making a decision. Yeah,
0: It would have resolved him as a character into the person that we know, yeah. as opposed to somebody they taking need, the piss out of that person. Need to see what that, that comes moment. what With the Doctor
2: saying, for God's sake, don't use them. And he goes ahead and uses them. That's that point. It's that... Um... Uh, who was the Prime Minister? Who uses the torchwood thing? It's one of those moments, isn't it? Um, Hillary? Yeah,
0: Hillary, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, God, nobody can remember him.
2: Hillary Gavet. No, no, in Christmas <laughs> invasion. In Christmas <the> invasion. <laughs> <laughs> My name is yeah. Jack and Stan. Yeah, we know who you are. I just can't remember your name.
0: <laughs> 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 Penelope Wilton, but the, the Harriet, Jen. Harriet, Harriet Jones. Harriet Jones, of course call yourself a fan four of us <laughs> <Forgot> <laughs> anybody got more on victory of the Daleks
1: um, yeah. the design of the Ironside was brilliant yes I mean if we, we need some positivity here, don't we? But I just absolutely adored it.
0: I think
2: I have got a lot of positivity for it. In, in as much as all these elements are there, all these lovely little things. I
1: like the way it looks. I like. Yeah. You know, it would have worked. It's frustrating. It I would have worked as a five-minuter, wouldn't it? So like a children in need 5 or <laughs> 10 minute. Because there's so many things in it. You could you could take Bracewell out entirely and just really crowd it into five minutes, ten minutes, and it would have been a corker. But
3: this or feels like
1: it is. Take
0: Bracewell out of it entirely and expand the rest of it up. to to fill the gap. Yeah, absolutely, yeah.
3: I think the first half of it works pretty well. I, I like it's almost like it's two first stories ten put together, isn't it? But the, the whole idea of Daleks in the Second World War—if you can convince an audience that there is a dramatic purpose to that, mm-hmm. i.e., the Daleks have slipped back through time and forgotten who they are, mm-hmm. you know—and they're in the Second World War—that is a story on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to put a plot in there, but that's a great idea. But then you've got this sort of shift into this other. It's yeah. mad, isn't it? Because World War Two immediately, it yeah. immediately lends itself
1: to some brilliant plots. Yeah, absolutely, and I also mean, that some, could have been amazing. Some good atmosphere. I mean, with the uh, um, the Doctor Dances and stuff like that, we had streets, yeah. and we had people on ground yeah. level that mm. You were needed looking to at see. Real, board, people. didn't you? Yeah, we, just, mm. we were on top of a roof and in the wall yeah. cabinet, and that was it. That's all we you keep getting yeah. shown
0: people who are supposed to represent it. But as individuals, they're not representing it. Again, they're just paying lip service to yeah, represent that's true. it. Yeah. The guy on the roof, um, the warden, when the lights come on. Yeah, out.
3: that's that's criminally underwritten. That could have been an interesting character. But because as it is, it's just a sort of, of all-golf-pastish Yeah, Am so. yeah. yeah. <laughs> <I'm> I <all> right <laughs> in saying that,
2: that, that term McGuffin? Right. if there'd been a stronger MacGuffin, if there'd been a mission they were trying to complete?
0: Yeah, that's exactly what you need, a plot Absolutely. to go with, mm. you know, your... With
3: the setting.
1: Yeah,
0: your
3: premise. So was mm. this
1: released at a particular time? Like, a, was it trying to celebrate or commemorate anything? Or no. was it trying to relaunch in America? Or what, 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 what was... Did, it, just... like, I keep I said right at the beginning, it feels like it's trying to impress something. We'll show it's, it's
2: a new era of Doctor it's, Who and there's the first appearance of the Daleks yeah, it's simple as that right. isn't
1: it really I mean, maybe. I mean maybe it's, it's part true. of
0: the process of Stephen Moffat taking what Ross T Davis has done and said right that was then and this is now I just think Mark Gatiss doesn't quite get or not maybe Mark Gatiss maybe Mark Gatiss does but the designers don't quite get why Stephen Moffat's? Well, in a way, that whole that the whole
3: now. sort of new Dalek paradigm, new paradigm, whatever they're called, um, <laughs> exterminating the sort of proper Daleks and you know taking over. That's that. At the time, that felt very symbolic, didn't it? Mm. Because you just sort of yeah. thought, new man, new era, oh, now we've got new Daleks, you know, and I don't actually like them. And I remember coming away from that episode also thinking, oh, you know, is that what we've got now? Because and I was really is. genuinely worried mm. that we weren't going to get, you know, those proper new series Daleks back again. Mm. Yeah, yeah. As it, you know, as it turned out, those worries were all founded and the, trouble but is. At the time. It yeah, was, yeah. And I as a symbol if you're
0: saying new man new Daleks and the new Daleks turn out to be crap it doesn't matter how good the new man might be or not mm. the symbol says he's crap everybody thinks he's crap mm. and that's kind of how it worked because after that first series Steve
3: Moffat's reputation nosedived, dived didn't it really yeah. for a lot of people yeah I think he went on record didn't he afterwards saying you know yeah. I know I've made some mistakes with this but you know
0: quite recently though he left it a while before he did
3: Really?
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. I
0: think so. It was only in the, I think it's since the anniversary. Right.
1: Yeah, that's right. It wasn't in Doctor Who magazine. They said something about
0: it wasn't. A great I think death. it was reported mm-hmm. in the magazine. I think he said it on stage somewhere. Oh, Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. There
2: is
0: a positive to draw from. This is
2: possibly though because everyone's focused on the Daleks. They didn't look at how how kind of weak the episode was. In a lot of respects, mm-hmm. because everyone just talked about the Daleks, didn't they? Uh, yeah. But again, visually, that's I mean,
1: if you look at it visually, like you say, it's like a cartoon. It is like a a World War Two kind of boys' own adventure, isn't it? it? Needs to be more like that, though. It does. Too much of it's just a bit too grand. I can and a imagine it being a transfer oh. pack quite nicely. <laughs> imagine putting the transfer on all the Spitfires attacking the Daleks. <laughs> Somebody please make that. Um, but that's about it, and that's all it is. See, that's good, just, But just, you get
0: inside the Dalek spaceship and spend a load of time there with just <laughs> one actor and seven, eight dustbins. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that
2: a hard nothing. And is there an argument for saying that it's trying to do too many things as well? It's trying to be this landmark episode of bringing in the new era. So it's bringing in the new Daleks. So it's doing that. And it's trying to do this clever thing with the Daleks who who need proof of what they're doing. And then you've got the whole World War II thing. So all these things... It, it, it's a lovely idea to have all this mad stuff, but it's got to connect and feel like they're all in this... Yeah. They're all there. They're all interrelated. And I don't think they are. Those
3: elements are too disparate. They just don't Mm. sort of glue together, do they? And I think it's because, (laughs) I don't know, it seems to me that the whole thrust of it was, well, these are good images, and how can we sort of link it together? And it comes back to that again. that It's It's a linear episode.
0: And the thing is, if you've got mad ideas, you've got to put them on the screen Mad. Asylum of the Daleks when you get inside the Parliament oh, of the Daleks <laughs> that's just insane but yeah. it's brilliant. I know people don't like it but it's the dinosaurs on a spaceship mm-hmm. thing isn't it? Yeah. But you get be... inside the spaceship in this episode and see the new Dalek paradigm and, and it's not the colours they've chosen it's the fact that they're so bright and so plastic looking inside such a pretty empty yeah. fairly
3: drab set. And that's the big sort of that is a big pivotal beat in the whole story that's let's face the it. money shot there's supposed to be a big crescendo and as you say a big money shot and them all sort of peeling out of this thing and lining up and that's supposed to be impressive but actually it's faintly ridiculous it I just laughed, sort of makes you chuckle I, I tell you what it's like loud. yeah <laughs>
1: you're
0: at Old Trafford 75,000 people <laughs> in the audience at Old Trafford raring to go Stone Roses comes on the speaker system and this is the one is blaring out, building the crowd up and 11 school kids dressed as football mascots run out, but no team.
3: Yeah.
0: That's what it felt like. Yeah, all, the all this build up, yeah. all this build up to Manchester United and 11 school kids run out.
2: Do you know, is it, I think I've really? thought
0: this before and I don't think I've said it on the podcast though, what it reminded
2: me of? You know, all the different, you know, scientists and, uh, you know, all the different jobs and all that. And I quite like that, but it did remind me of the skexis. Mm. in Dark Crystal in Dark Crystal
0: because they all had had their own job Chamberlain and none of that happened on the screening they never gave the names no and they never gave any impression that any of those Daleks actually had different jobs no No. I don't think they got there did they I think that was the plan Uh and they got there
1: yeah, mm. I mean, they're different colours, you know. We can go round, round and round forever, can't we? Why are they different colours? When you look through their eye talk, they can't see colours above them blue. Do you know it's what like, it is again? Why are they different colours? I think it's a case of... <laughs> no, why not? <laughs> don't mind that. Perhaps they don't, don't know. Don't mind that. I like the idea of the choice. <laughs> <George laughs> they <joke>. don't know. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: I completely bought into the toy. Thing the different yeah. It feels like a case yeah. again, though,
0: no, no, of Stephen Moffat wanting to... Go on one trajectory, and Mark Gatiss's script coming in and going somewhere else. Stephen Moffat patently doesn't have any great interest in the Daleks, but as the guy who's running Doctor Who, he needs to have them there. So when Mark Gatiss comes up with this story that is essentially the pilot for a new series of Dalek stories, it needs to go somewhere, or else it needs not to be a pilot. Yeah. But you can't have a pilot that doesn't go somewhere. And that's what happens here. At the end of the series, instead of having a big Dalek story, you've just got a couple of Daleks turning up in a, a story that's not about the Daleks. And that's kind of what happens for the next few years. Yeah. None of the stories really after this are stories about the Daleks. Mm. Even Asylum of the Daleks is not about the Daleks. It's about some mental Daleks that have been locked in an asylum. It's mm. not about the Daleks and what they are. You know, it never is. So having a pilot for a series
3: that's about the Daleks and what they are is
0: just like a folly, a hiding to nothing.
3: But essentially you've got to keep finding new and different things to do with them, haven't you? Because the story of the Daleks has been told enough times. If you carried on just telling the same story, that would obviously become quite dull. So well, yeah. inevitably you ages, are going to end up in that yeah. situation where it may feel like they're parachuted in.
0: But, if, but it feels like here, Mark
3: Gatiss is trying to write the first chapter in a new yeah oh,
0: I agree uh, part of that story, and mm. Stephen Moffat patently doesn't want to, so why they <laughs> do it in this way? You could do mm. it, you could change the Daleks, have a new design of the Daleks, and just have them like the cult of Skara. They're the last Daleks mm. that are left. Mm. Yeah. And this is what's happened to them. So you get your new Daleks, you get your new toys, you get your new design, you get all that and everything, but you're not saying very ostentatiously to the audience, this is what we're doing with the Daleks.
3: Because
0: mm. that's what this story is saying, and then it never happens.
3: Yeah, that's right. That's
0: uh, if anybody's got anything else, say it now quick, or we'll give it a score out of 10. Music. <clears throat> Uh, the there Olympics. was some yeah. there was some yeah there was some it was
1: okay mm. uh, but like you say when the Daleks came out the new paradigm <laughs> you said it's got a comic touch it, it undermined them it really it did it, under- it wasn't supposed
0: to no. if it had, if the pictures had been as dramatic as the music it would have worked fine mm. but there was just a disconnect between how dramatic the music was yeah. and how underwhelming the pictures were <laughs> <laughs> there's no other way to say it is
1: there no <clears throat> I think the music to Mr. <clears throat> Mr. Ben would have been more, more threatening. <laughs> or the flumps. Oh, or the flumps. And I love Moby I know you're not like keen, are you, Dan? You're not a Moby should kid. have come out of, of, no. like, with Thunderbirds music. <laughs> <It's> like. <laughs> blue. blue one. Blue. White one. <laughs> I think it's. I, I think should have had numbers on their backs. I
3: think so should. <laughs> <sighs> yes. Yeah. Indeed.
1: Lee, how, how many out of ten? Oh, I so wanted this to be good. Um, six. I can't. I can't stretch it any further. Yeah, six. That's quite high, isn't? Just it? <laughs> it is quite high. Well,
0: yeah, okay, but I'm going to match you. I think it's six as well because. You know, I always say this. I find it hard to go below a six and certainly mm-hmm. a five because as much as you might not like a lot of the episode, there are a lot of people on that episode doing good things. The people who are coming up with the costume designs and the set designs, you know, in the bunker and that, and the actors. We said it ourselves. Pat, um, Bill Patterson, fantastic. Any yeah, the nice is really good as mm-hmm. Churchill. Mm-hmm. a lot of people doing good work on that episode. It's just... There are certain things on that episode that really aren't working at all. So I think if
3: you're passionate about a series, you know, there's always something to be drawn mm-hmm. as positive out of every every episode. Definitely. I'm not really one of those sort of Doctor Who fans that, you know, hates episodes of Doctor you know, Who. It's, to, it's, it's to always give always something, something positive, isn't yeah. it? To give something
0: a zero or a one or uh, a two or a three I'm thinking this has to be significantly failing on yeah, every level absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. in order to get a and score this low. That's, and that's, that's, that's just, never true. No, especially the modern series. That is never going to happen. What was no. that lowest score on Doctor's Daughter?
1: <clears throat> that was quite low, actually. I think was I it a four that, or five? Yeah, something like that. It was ridiculously mm. low. Mm. Mm. Did um, we watch the Doctor's Daughter? We have scored it, haven't we? I don't think so. I thought we did. I thought we'd done a big... Oh, maybe it was an online thing. Sorry, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we did. Or did I dream recently? it? Doctor's Daughter. Hmm. Could have sworn we talked about that. <laughs> yeah, I could have. Did no, we, we watched it a... recently?
0: No, we did one story from each Doctor, right? And Eccleston, we did... Was it The Unquiet Dead?
2: Weren't we asked to watch it? Sorry, when we asked to watch the Doctor's Daughter,
0: this is great radio.
3: Isn't <laughs> it? <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> just thinking, you know, really, itch.
0: Mm.
2: I thought we had watched that recently because it was oh, much worse than we remember. Maybe remembered. somebody can write
0: in ten... and tell us what we scored. <laughs> yeah. The Doctor's Daughter, <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> <we> <laughs> no, the Tennant one we did was Gridlock. The Smith one we did was Vampires of Venice. Mm. We also did. Oh, was it Series Four we were talking about? Yeah, but yeah. we didn't score Doctor's Daughter. We just all gave it bottom half the ten stories that's true
1: that's That's what it is
0: but we didn't give it a score no okay we just gave it a position mm (laughs) hmm We will do. Maybe one day. Mm. Well, now we've done um, Victory of the Daleks, perhaps we can do a, a mini-series of going back to everybody's worst episodes and seeing if they're <laughs> better than we thought they were. But the trouble is, we I'm do that for six or seven weeks, we might be in serious <laughs>
1: trouble of strangling each other. Just, just let me know when you're doing The Doctor's Daughter. Mm. I'm ill that week.
0: You're supposed to be ill this week. Right? <laughs> T- I tell you what,
1: though, Victory of the Daleks, I mean, there's... <laughs> It's the curiosities
2: thing, isn't it? You've got these the new dot the new Daleks and there's just f- some funny oddities going in there. Which makes it entertaining and I can get from A to B.
0: I don't ever feel like I
2: wanna switch it off. Oh no, absolutely. No, no, no. no.
1: So
0: I think no. I don't think any of us sat here and actually struggled to watch it. No.
2: I could give it a generous seven, but I'm gonna go with
0: six. Okay.
2: Because okay. I don't think it, it's not a seven out of ten episode, is it? <laughs> no. Let's face
0: it. It's gotta be a six. Go on then, Dan, are you going to...
3: Up, down. Well, it's quite a difficult one for me because I think, you know, the first half of it's really good. I've really enjoyed, you know, the first 20 minutes or however long it was. and thought, oh, actually, my memory of this is probably wrong. I think it's a lot better than I thought. And then it just sort of rapidly went downhill for me when it uh, got Mm. into the new sort of paradigm stuff. So, as I've said, I think a six is probably... It's probably fair, um, yeah. but I, I would probably score the first half of it much higher than the second half. So. Yeah. Actually, the yeah. first ten minutes and the last
0: five—that scene at the end doesn't belong there. But actually, in a different episode, that scene at the end would have been
3: really good.
1: Yes. The yeah.
3: problem—the problem with the last scene is that we've already done that scene. Mm. You know, and ultimately, it is about—I don't want to be heartless, but it is about a robot, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, you which won't. should be sort of pull on the heartstrings a bit.
1: you did—you didn't have any any empathy or sympathy at all for this this robot did you? do you know what look at <laughs> <you laughs> <about laughs> <a lot>,
3: though face <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I did, but I just thought what well, did day. You, you said, oh, "Get over it." It's a robot. It's not. Well, it's not <laughs> human. <laughs> it is. It's like it's, either it's human or it isn't human. You can't. You can't make it human. It's <laughs> oh, a. They it's mentioned poor poor positive, po- It's
2: got pozitronic. a trivial <laughs> <laughs> suit
1: wedge wrap stuck in uh, his chest. Uh, they mentioned the positronic brain, didn't they? Which is an Isaac Asimov thing, yeah. which is supposed to make you feel like, oh, it's a, there's a possibility you can become. Empathetic. Well, it's yeah, yes, but it's never going to be a human being, is it? You know? I tell no, you what, I had uh, the same uh,
3: problem with Rory turning out to be an auton, and I thought yeah. you can't, you can't then make him human again. It's just you can't. He's an they auton, or he's human.
0: They didn't though. Hmm? They didn't know They went back to before Rory died and mm. had the original Rory.
3: Oh, okay. Mm. Um, but it's the, same, it's the same sort of conceit. That would know? be. Like, thing but what I was going to try and yeah, butt in and say for the last
0: five minutes, <laughs> when Russell T. Davis, it's <laughs> unusual. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: when Russell T. Davis brought it back, the first five episodes were very cartoony, particularly Rose and Aliens of London, World mm. War Three. But all five of them essentially were quite cartoony, and then it kind of settled down into sort of slightly sort of Avengers Land type thing, where it was a sort of manned version of reality, but it wasn't as cartoony as those first five. And I just thought it was a bit of a disappointment because I could have lived with Doctor Who being cartoony every week. Mm. Wouldn't have been the Doctor Who that you remembered from Pertwee or whatever, but I think it would have been a really interesting take on Doctor Who that could have been really successful and popular.
3: Yeah. And we'll never know, I guess.
0: But I thought it was a shame that that stopped. Now, here, what you've got... Is Stephen Moffat wanting to do Doctor Who as a fairy tale?
3: Mm.
0: Which is, or not necessarily fairy tale. Again, we, we had this thing last week, and actually the expression fairy tale perhaps doesn't describe it, but he's wanting to do Doctor Who as a, a classic children's story, something that follows the same rules of narrative and logic as things like Peter Pan and Alice in Wonderland, so that it's not following rational logic. Yeah, but it's following a logic that as long as it's consistent, mm. Mm. children can say, okay, this is the logic that we're having for this series or for this few years. And as long as it's consistent within itself, it's fine. And Stephen Moffat is the guy who at the end of The Empty Child, when the nanogenes went around repairing everybody so mm. that they didn't have gas masks on their face any longer magicked an old lady's leg back out of nowhere that's what Stephen Moffat does and that was entirely logical within that story if Stephen Moffat had been able to impose his vision of Doctor Who as a fairy tale on this series to the extent to which he no doubt wanted I don't think you'd have any problem with Bill Patterson being a robot who needs to get feelings in order to save the story But it's just not sold in that way. Mm. I'm a real boy now. Yeah, exactly. Mm. If it's Pinocchio, it's fine, but it's not sold as Pinocchio. It's in a completely different story. It's so totally out of place, it just doesn't fit. It would even have worked better in The Beast Below, where you're in a starship on the back of a whale. That was way more fairy tale than this is. Mm. That followed those rules of logic way more stringently than this does. Mm. In this, you've got Spitfires in space, but it's not sold to you as something that's close enough to magic to actually not matter whether it's scientific or not. It's just not sold to you. It's just something that they do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They don't sell anything to you in this episode. They just... Well, we've been saying it for the past hour. They just give you the things without selling them to you.
1: So So. is that a 5 out of 10 now? No, it's still (laughs) a 6 because I enjoyed bits of
0: it. And again... Never felt an urge to turn it off, but don't feel another urge. Don't feel an urge to watch it again for another five years. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Should we do some other bits and pieces? I'll tell you what we've not talked about for the last three weeks on this podcast because just at the moment we're recording them three weeks in advance and we didn't know this was going to happen. But tonight, as we speak, (laughs) but three weeks ago, as this podcast goes out on our feed we discovered who the new Doctor Who companion was. And although it's not going to be anything but old news by the time you hear this, I don't know, people listening to this are probably interested in what our reaction was to the news. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, what did anybody think? A of the girl, B of how they did it.
1: A of the girl? Brilliant. I love her already, just in that short space of time. I like the acting. I like the eyebrows. Oh, I'll sport it for somebody here. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love the hair. I love the look. Um, I just I think she's great, and she's in she's in 80s outfit, wearing a prince top, um, and uh, you know a, a faded denim jacket, which is very 1984, 85. So I'm really hoping she's from the 80s. But why? Why? Why not? That'd be great fun. It'd just be good, because um, she would be dropping into 2017, going. What? What are these things? What are these iPods? You know, it's just I don't know, just little things like that. Actually,
0: if you, to do a character for a year who's thirty years out of place, yeah. and to get some mm. comic value from that in whatever it's going to be—maybe three episodes set in twenty seventeen during a twelve episode run—yeah, I don't think you could do it long term. I don't no, think you could do no. it to take it seriously but for right. a bit of comic value yeah. to throw into some
2: episodes. Yeah, I think you make some valid um, social comment on you know, <clears> things like the internet and things like that. Just, just kind of local... I mean, let's face it, since the 80s, the
0: world has changed
2: completely.
0: Yeah, but you don't need a companion to do that. No. Um, just go back to the 1980s. No, okay. Yeah.
1: That made me we get a 1980s episode as well. So...
0: Father's Day was already... True. Yeah, true. Yeah. I don't. I don't think Father's Day really sold the 1980s though. Because just a set in a chair. We did get a bit of
2: political comment, eh? Go back to the Thatcher
0: years. <laughs> Interesting. Well, we didn't get any when we went back to Nixon's. So. <laughs> <laughs> Be greedy <clears throat> too. <laughs> yeah, I think you're on a hiding nothing. There. I don't know. Yeah, babe. She was very confident. Yeah. I thought for an actress who on IMDb is precisely two credits, one in something I've never heard of, and one in a single episode of
3: Doctors. So I think it was probably well-directed. I think she'd sort of fit... Um, she hit the ground running, didn't she? And it was actually nice. I didn't know we were going to get a proper dramatic mm, scene, you know, yeah. scene or two. Um, so that was a really nice surprise. I thought it was beautifully done. was like an audition for the And audience, I thought Peter Capaldi was great again. I just love mm. him. I think he's brilliant. It
0: was a really good way to do it. Instead yeah. of, like, cutting away to a camera somewhere and yeah. saying... Here's your new companion, and you know, (laughs) pulling a paper bag off somebody's (laughs) head.
2: But funnily (laughs) enough, we were saying,
3: you know, through the first hour of this podcast, we were talking about how it was annoying that, you know, Victory of the Daleks that Karen Gillan's character doesn't discover what the Daleks are, and actually, you know, in that tiny uh, three minutes or however long it was. The whole thing was just about her going, What on earth are the Daleks? And look how entertaining and interesting that was. Yeah. <laughs> <Good course. laughs> it was <the> complete <laughs> opposite, really, wasn't it?
1: Absolutely. That was brilliant. Yes. What I loved about her performance
2: was that I, I used the phrase, <laughs> This stuff going on under the hood. It, you could see the thought processes were going on in her face and everything mm. like that. It just
0: felt, it was a believable performance. It was really good. What's happening? I think what people are going to miss. I've no idea what the reaction has been for the last three weeks, given that we pretty much came straight here to talk about it before (laughs) we looked. But I can imagine that a lot of people are going to react to that and say, he's got a comedian for a companion. And I don't necessarily mean that she is a comedian. No. But what I mean is, because it was a funny scene, people are going to say, oh, well, she's just there to be funny and expect Mm -hmm. her to be funny all the time. Whereas not necessarily, because... Although that scene was obviously deliberately made just to show off the actress, mm. you know, as a vignette of what that character's going to be like, that's just one aspect of her. They've shown, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, I think actually there's a good chance that she perhaps be more funny than. Uh, you know, a regular companion who might be there for a couple of years because she's just there really to see out Stephen Moffat's extra year running the show before Chibnall comes in. Mm, So this is essentially as a bonus year for everyone concerned. So she's kind of like a bonus (laughs) companion (laughs) who probably should never have existed. So to just do a year knowing that there's no arc holdover and no arcs to leave to hold over for somebody else... You can do a year where you just say, okay, let's just have 12 episodes where Doctor Who's just a bit of fun. Mm.
3: And I'd actually really like to see that. Yeah. I've been saying that for a little while, that, you know, story arcs are great, but mm. you can really get bogged down in them. And sometimes I just find them a bit sort of contrived. And
1: I've no I, doubt actually, there'll be a
3: story across the 12 episodes. I'm sure the, the, don't there don't may think, well yeah. be, but... I, yeah, sometimes I find that some of the backstory and those contrivances just get in the way of the storytelling. And quite often I just like, you know, the doctor just turn up and it's a story and yes. then go yeah. off again and do something else the next week.
0: Well, series 7 was basically was say, that, the first half of that. two episodes, yes. which <laughs> would be Bells of St. John and, that and played Dane. to its strength,
3: I think. Well, that yeah. was its major, major. Yeah. yeah,
0: Season 7, Series 7 was no doubt slightly weaker in terms of its stories than a lot of the series we've had since the programme came back but actually as just an experience to sit down and watch Doctor Who every week it's
1: quite fresh it's quite nice yeah Mm. I think that um, that that you're right there about the, the companion um not having, oh no, you didn't say it. I'm saying it. <laughs> Sorry, I was just um, was having, I about. like the idea <laughs> of the companion not being massively important, like a Donna or a Clara type of thing, yeah, where she's just a person on travels with the doctor, learning as she goes in a kind of an ace. Actually, somebody did mention it. I was thinking about oh, who did she remind mm. me? What kind of companion? I think she's a bit ace ish, I suppose, in, in just the little, little yeah, moment. the logo on the jacket, maybe, but also just so. the kind of trigger just the, the the naivety the youngness the kind of hey professor ba you know you could see her just keep asking questions all the time getting on his nerves which sounds great um, so yes yeah, as long as she's not like a bloody robot or something <laughs> well I think she'll <laughs> remember trying to be no, young. Really, not the doctor's not dismissive of her either which I thought was great no it was really mm.
3: warm that scene wasn't mm-hmm. it, it was it'd cool. be interesting to see how their relationship happened Mm-hmm, I yeah. think mm-hmm. because you're right, there was, there was a sort of warmth, so it, it almost feels like you know, this is a scene from you know, later on in the season or something.
0: Mm-hmm. It's, obviously- it's funny, the way it was written was almost like um, Colin Baker and um, Nicola yeah. Bryant, but playing it out of affection for one another <laughs> rather than <laughs> anger at one another. <laughs> um, I don't know what you could possibly mean. I mean, there's a lovely bit <laughs> where. um She's just asked him two questions and he says, no more questions. And it cuts to a front shot. And just before she asked the question, her head pokes out and goes back in and she asks the question and he kind of says, Oh, I knew there'd be another one. <laughs> yeah. As it were. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and the timing, not just the timing though, but, uh, cause the director doesn't do that in isolation. Somebody writes that and then the director yeah. realizes what they're doing. <clears throat> And it's not just as simple as the sort of farcical element of a head appearing at the right time and then the question, but it feeds into the personalities of the characters who are there involved in the scene. And the way it worked was just lovely that you get the sense of who these people are going to be in relation to one another. Mm. In a little way, and not to do with the actual characters, but it reminds me slightly of the energy between Billy Piper and Christopher Eccleston, where they're so complete opposites. Yeah. That by being so opposite from one another, they work really well, bouncing mm. off one another. Rather than, I thought when Tennant and Billy Piper were there, they were too similar and yeah. it became a bit cloying. Well, I think
1: it had to, didn't it? Because yeah. it had that love thing going on.
0: Yeah, it just didn't work. Right. Are we
1: going to call it a night then? If you,
0: yes. Well, I've got we loads more stuff to do, but we can save it for next week because somebody's about to depart. I'm unless somebody to wants speaking. to join us <laughs> <laughs> that was a no <laughs> my wife is watching everybody <clears throat> hello Pick. we'll call it a night then and we'll do this stuff next week you sure yeah we'll have a slightly early night it's not that early anyway <laughs> let's be honest so what was our
1: 60 minutes tonight
0: <laughs> our 60 minutes tonight
1: was god
0: 48 and 37 Now on a quarter <laughs> 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 I it's work in a bad. library don't ask me
1: I <laughs> 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 don't numbers I work in a library Aaron 25 That's 25 <laughs> quite sure
0: that's not bad yeah that's on Victory of the Dark so. <laughs> and it pretty much was as well <laughs>
3: <laughs> but in that case I oh, was yes well thank you very much for asking me along it's, mm. um, well, that's it's a been great. really good fun thank you and I've been down <laughs> oh and go on I'm last, Simon. I'm last. You're last.
2: Yeah.
0: He was Dan. I was Simon. I was Mark. Lee. And I was JR. (laughs) And we'll speak again soon. didn't say thank you to Dan, so actually (laughs) I'm still recording, so Easter Easter egg. (laughs) I'm so used to just having different people here every week now. And it's just a conversation. That's true. So this is your thank you. Thank you. you. And leave (laughs) us alone. And make sure it's not another two and a half years or whatever it is before you come back again next time. Okay must be two and a half years it was like it is. 60 something I think
3: I, yeah it was a long time ago
0: 200 now
3: it wasn't even here
0: no it wasn't it was a while, <laughs> it while was your while house, wasn't it? yeah, <laughs>
3: yeah. alright that's Thank enough